But I just want to tell you, Russ is, is uh, first and foremost, a good friend of mine. And um, he, al- he also happens to be a, just a genuine, loving, kind, compassionate person. One of those guys that kind of what you see is what you get, which is a really good thing. He's, he's one of those genuine people uh, through and through. He also happens to be a pastor of our church, uh, overseeing home groups and many other things, a lot of the pastoral care kind of stuff. And, um, and uh, he is uh, ordained and all that good stuff. Uh, an elder, that's what I was going to say. He's an elder of our church. That's the other word. I'm having problems with words tonight. So it's a good thing I'm not preaching. So would you welcome and honor Russ Folkler? Closer in. <laughs> Come on down. Come on down. Should I move this forward? Should I move forward? Is, is that the problem? Come on down. So. Works pretty good, like that. Okay, is that is that better? Am I closer to my mouth? Oh, some people got really close. There we go. Thank you. Um, I need the water though. <laughs> some. Ooh, okay. Let's see how this goes. There we go. There we go. Um, so, so Lord, we, whoa, we invite your spirit, we invite your spirit, Lord, you're already here, but we, uh, we just want to receive from you, we want to receive, uh, what you want to impart to our spirits, you are, you are the God of all spirits, and as we we open our hearts and our spirits to what uh, what you want to transmit, and and I ask for your grace to uh, to speak with your heart, and uh, I let you do the rest. <laughs> that this would n- not be a night of of information, but of of uh, what brings transformation in all of us. And I thank you that I'm as I'm sharing this, I'm also receiving it for myself. And thank you for that. Do ask that uh, that you would encourage all of us to live the strong, powerful, courageous love <laughs> that you want us to live from, which comes from your heart. Amen.
notice there's been kind of a kind of a theme lately. Uh, there's been a lot of scary prophetic words, and then and there's then there's been just a lot of sense of of uh, needing needing to receive more encouragement. How many of you got? How many of you folks heard Brent last week? Yeah, that was Brent heard it too. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was a keeper. I'm going to go back and listen to that again. Uh, very very encouraging and very very honest and direct. And uh, and oddly enough, we're going to continue on with that theme because this is something the Lord was speaking to me a long time ago. So so it's okay if you hear a similar the same theme as long as it keeps going in deeper, right? And in fact, uh, Nabil Nabil Elfar. Uh, the, the man from Jordan who was here the night that uh, Graham Cook spoke, do you remember him? Uh, starting a, a school in Jordan. And uh, at one point, he, he was, was given the responsibility for overseeing a church, and it had gone down pretty small. I think it was basically the elder team. Um, and uh <coughs> he felt like the Lord was saying, my people need to believe that I heal today. So he was... He was preaching about healing. He was preaching about God's supernatural power. And they were saying, can you preach about something else? And he said, not until we get it. <laughs> so, um, and they did, too. That's right. Healings, healings broke out. And John Wimber, I think, preached for about a year on healing. So sometimes, sometimes God just wants to get it in deeper. So be encouraged about being encouraged. More, more is coming. Okay, so... The name of this is Living in Courage and Wisdom. And maybe you could turn the lights down some so people can, can, can see the, uh, the front wall. That's part of the reason why I came down here. Thanks. Is that better? Can you, can you see better? Can you see? Well, I'm not. You can, can you see me now? Can, can you see me now? <laughs> Instead of can you hear me now, can you see me now? So Susan is going to come in at the end. So... Okay, so <clears throat> Susan will be showing up later. She'll be doing a, uh, a, a, a little exercise with you. It'll be fun. So, in times of shaking, what do we do? What can we do? And there's a song in, in the new album, Be, Be Lifted High. lifted high um, it goes God I look to you I won't be overwhelmed give me vision to see things like you do God I look to you you're where my help comes from give me wisdom you know just what to do I love that song and that really if, um, if you don't take too much else from this message take that Take the words of that song. Go, go listen to it as well. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. See things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. 
give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Yeah. Some, we often remember things better in a song, don't we? So, <laughs> uh, it's just the way we're wired. So we'll be talking more about that. Courage makes me think of the cowardly lion in uh, The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Courage. <laughs> but that lion actually is, uh, is more related to the time of Daniel and uh, the, the time of the Babylonians and the Assyrians. Last week, as I mentioned, Brent spoke about bringing God's kingdom, bringing hope, bring, being a solution. Say being a solution. That's right. Choosing to love courageously. Choosing to love courageously. Knowing that we have eternal life no matter what happens. So why worry? Yeah, that was a really good talk. This talk is intended to inspire you to receive vision, courage, and wisdom from God to rule in your field. Even in times of shaking. As we walk in the courage that is already ours in Jesus, we will extend his realm. What is his realm? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of realm I'd like to live in. And, and it's all of our opportunity to be part of establishing and extending his realm on earth as it is in heaven. Try one more time. There we go. I'm learning transitions from Brent. He's the master of uh, keynote transitions. So Lance Walnau was actually speaking today, but I missed him. How, did any of you have a chance to hear him today? Down at Jubilee? Is it good? Yeah. <laughs> He was talking about the field. All right. Well, you, you, you're going you're gonna to hear it. You're going to hear it again for those, those few that went. So um, we actually had a chance to see a longer clip of this at the, at the elder dance. And I was so taken by it, I thought, I know that God wants to uh, encourage the whole church uh, to, to, um, to catch a vision of, of finding the field either either. either starting to really invest in the field he's called you to or find out what field you are called to and, and bring, bring his kingdom there. So it's about each of us being a shepherd in our field. You can kind of remember it like, um, like the, the time of Jesus' birth when the shepherds were out watching their flock by night. And then the angel showed up. And so actually the, talk, the name of this talk by Lance is called The Angel in the Field. Because God wants to establish outposts of his kingdom, that's, that's what this is about. We are all walking outposts of the kingdom of God. Each one of you. Did you know that? You are. You are portals to heaven. So that during times of shaking, people in the world can find stability in Jesus. So here's Lance. Now, by the way, I should set this up a little bit. I should set this up. He's a little 
tipsy in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so don't let that bother you because it's, it's actually kind of endearing when you know what's going on. Okay, you ready? The field you are called to shepherd is where the angel of the Lord is about to show up. And when the angel of the Lord shows up, God's going to make a fresh proclamation of his activity in your field. And when you rise up and see what the Father is doing now in your field, it will not just be an angel, it will be a heavenly host invading the field that you are shepherding. Because from now on, in the administration of the activity of God in our lives, God is letting us shape what happens in our field. This is a completely different disposition and dispensation than existed even coming into this moment right now. Here's what it means. It means for a lot of believers, they simply are not shepherding the field that God gave them. They're watching, but they're not necessarily aware of the fact that God is calling you to steward a field that he himself is taking under his authority for the sake of the kingdom. Years ago, before I got involved with this, this message about the seven mountains, I started, curiously enough, by a mistake. I heard a testimony about a senator in Georgia named Michael Fox, who had died of a heart attack for 45 minutes without a heartbeat. I had the videotape from the lid, the hood, of the taxi, taxi, ambulance that came to get him. I'm going back out into the ozone again. Call me back, call me back. Okay, I'm back. Ambulance. And there's this videotape of him lying on the sidewalk outside of a Holiday Inn. He was, he had received a prophetic word from Kim Clement that he was called to politics. And he would have a son named Caleb, who would be a politician. At that point, he wasn't in politics. He was in real estate, and he had no son. But he felt the call to the field. Here's what I want you to catch. God is going to visit fields now, and for some people, he's going to reposition you into a new field. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. So Michael Crox is telling a story. He says that he runs for office, and things are going pretty good until he has a heart attack and dies. That messes everything up. I don't know if you know that. He's lying on the concrete outside of the Holiday Inn in Connie's, Georgia. The ambulance shows the resuscitation process as they're trying to resuscitate him, and they can't get him breathing. So it's like the clock is ticking, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, boom. They put him in the back of the vehicle, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to the, to the uh, Parkview Hospital, boom. 15 minutes there, the emergency crew is working on him, you know, with all the paddles and the electricity, nothing's happening. They call for his wife because on his driver's license, he indicated he's an organ donor. So they wanted to sign off while they, I don't know what they do, they take the warm parts out first. I don't know what the process is. But she goes in, being of a somewhat Pentecostal prophetic persuasion, and she grabs hold of him and starts prophesying. Michael, the Lord said, you're going to have a son. And your son's name is Caleb, and we're going to raise him together, and the son's going to walk in the same political footsteps as his father. You haven't even been a politician yet. You can't die. Now, so she's yelling at the corpse and prophesying. 
The doctor, who we will call, for lack of a better word, was not a man of faith. He was more Kevorkian than anything. He calls for security to pull the delirious Pentecostal out of the emergency room. She continues prophesying. The word of the Lord says, you're going to have a son, your son's going to name Caleb, and you're going to walk in the same political system, you're going to raise him together. Together, Michael, you're not even a politician yet. And we don't we, and, 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 they, and the curious thing is, they had uh, uh, adopted a child named Caleb. He wasn't even like two years old yet. And so she's going, and we have to raise him together. He's supposed to walk in a substance, but she's prophesying. Security comes and pries her arm off of the senator's leg, senator-to-be. She breaks free. One last desperate effort, and instead of prophesying, she commands. She doesn't say the word of the Lord says. She says, in a way that only a wife can really say, in that scolding, maternal, nurturing tone. Michael! No more that's fire. Michael! Come back into your body now! Not even in Jesus' name. Totally inappropriate prayer. At which point, all of the diodes and electric things start going beep, 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 because his spirit came back in his body after 45 minutes being out of it. I've got the testimony on record. Anyway, Dr. Kevorkian spins around. Unless there should be a shred of hope in this desperate situation. He speaks these words of edification. I wouldn't give my hopes up if I were you. He's been dead for 45 minutes. We'll be fortunate if we can sustain him in a coma. Wonderful edification. So she right away has this, like, panic hits her, like, uh-oh. She has this vision, as often happens, of him kind of being wheeled around in a semi-comatose state for the rest of his life, her having interfered with his death by commanding him to come back. And of course, it isn't true, but this was what was going through her mind. The next day, he's in this coma state. The doctor explains to her, look, even if he came out of the coma, see, his faith is growing gradually. Even if he came out, he won't remember one half of his life because at least 20 years of memory have been erased. Now, this women are interesting. Because that, if you had told me that, that wouldn't bother me. But you know what Phyllis said? And she said it there in my interview with her. She said, you know, I, I got to thinking about that. If we go back 20 years, he wasn't even saved back then. I don't think I could put up with him the way he used to be. And she said, and secondly, here was her other great motive for interceding this next commanding prayer. She said, he's going to think I'm 20 years younger than I actually am. <laughs> and with grim resolve, she locked into my eyes and said, and that was unacceptable. And so she went in and laid hands on him again, commanding him out of his coma. And sure enough, the man comes out of the coma. And the first words that he says, which is a telling utterance, where is my son, Caleb? Which means that his memory is restored right up to present. Now, somehow, before he came back, he had an experience with Jesus. And you know, 
uh, wouldn't you want to know what this guy saw while he was out of his body before? This is not one of your, I went to heaven in the prayer room things. This is like he was someplace for 45 minutes. So this isn't some subjective maybe thing. This is the real deal. He says, all right, I'll tell you, I got the interview. I'll send it to you if you want. Here's the interview. He said, I knew I was in paradise. I asked the Lord to send Phyllis and Caleb to be with me because I had no sense of grief. I just wanted my family with me. And the Lord said, I want to show you something. And he showed him this lake. And the lake, as I looked closely, it was three-dimensional. And I saw spheres, circles, fields of influence. And I saw God's people in the center of those fields. And as they stood there, I saw everything shaking. But where they stood, there was no shaking. Rather, there was a movement of activity towards them because the territory they occupied was working when everything was falling apart. And I said to the Lord, what is that? Now, now this, this is theologically provocative language. And so I'm not going to take... The views expressed on this program are Rick Joyner's, not mine. I'm simply telling you what happened. He's good with controversy. He'll deal with clean this up tomorrow. Here's what the Lord said, according to Senator Crocker. The Lord said, they are ruling over their kingdoms. Now, think about that. Because we we're so religious. We talk about the kingdom, the kingdom. And, and the, we have this kind of glorious detachment to things. It's like, well, it's the Lord. Whatever the Lord wants. He's coming back. The Antichrist is coming. Oh, whatever happens, happens. I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. But here's what the Lord said. They're ruling over their kingdoms. Now, I could probably clean it up and say, they're ruling over my kingdom as though it was their stewardship. But the Lord just compressed it and said, they're owning the territory they're in and administrating it. But think how this offends our religious sensitivities. Because here's what the Lord was saying in this experience. The believers are ruling over the field God gave them. And when everything shakes, they are stabilizing the territory under their authority, under my authority. Think about that. So, you know, if I was to say to you, well, the devil tried to take my children, my son, my daughter, and I, my wife and I got together, you know the testimony ought to be, we got together and we took authority over that thing and our children were delivered. Because that's the way it ought to be. Your field is like your family. The shepherds were keeping watch over their flock. You should look at your field like it's your kingdom and your stewardship. Because you're accountable for what you do with the territory he assigned to you. Wow. <laughs> that was a lot. Are you encouraged? Are you fired up? <laughs> you can find this on YouTube, by the way, if you want to watch it again. Angel, the angel in your field, Lance Wall now. Google it, you'll find it. Um, I want to point out one interesting thing is, is, um, is Phyllis Trotz, Michael Trotz's wife, was actually walking in her, standing in her authority, calling him back to life. So she was doing this already, wasn't she? Yeah. She was. So this is the story within the story is, you know, is, it's also about that. It's like saying, this is not, I know this is not the Lord's will and I'm going to, I'm going to command what I know is God's will and what is going to, uh, to bring life to my family. So 
Yeah. Come on. Come on. So is it theologically questionable? I don't think so, actually. In, um, in Revelation, first chapter, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So, and also, when Jesus comes back, he's, he's got a name written on his thigh. What is that name? King of kings and Lord of lords. And, and by the way, the, the kings of the earth, the ones that were resisting him just got wiped out. So who is he king of, who are the kings he's king over? I think it's us. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it's quite, I think it's high confident, but it's certainly a, a putting us, raising us up above what we've, most of us have been taught who we are, huh? Yeah, yeah. Here's a scripture that the Lord really highlighted to me. It's uh, Haggai. And I entitled it, uh, Times of Shaking, Intended to Reveal the Desire of All Nations. That's chapter 2. And we'll have the verse, verses 6 through 9. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. By the, word, the, by the way, the word uh, temple also can mean house. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a Hebrew word, ba'ith, uh, sorry about that, which means house as well as temple. So who is the desire of all nations? Jesus. Whoa. Yeah. In John 2, 19, Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So was he talking about the temple that, um, that Herod, Herod expanded? Who, what was the temple he was talking about? His body. He, he, is the, he is the one who contains the spirit of God, which is what the temple was built for. He is God. I also want to mention shaking heaven as well as earth. What, what could that mean? Could it mean that it, it, what Paul talks about in Ephesians about um, the powers and principalities, the uh, wickedness in heavenly places, is he is he is he going to, is he shaking those so they don't have the same hold over the uh, the territory they've tried to have dominion over? 
I believe yes. He's shaking the earth so that people will seek what cannot be shaken. They'll realize that what they put their trust in, what they've, the idols, that the things that they've leaned on for their security and their significance aren't really working anymore. And that's when they're going to start looking for answers. They're going to start looking for the answer. And, and we have a role to play in that because we are his body. We are actually bit we are actually part of part of um, uh, we are living stones being being made up into a spiritual house aren't we and that's in first uh, Peter we'll get to that in just a second but here's the second part of that that uh, the scripture his glory and his peace in his house the silver is mine and the gold is mine says the Lord of hosts the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts in this place, I will give peace. I will give shalom, says the Lord of hosts. So the glory is going to be greater, and he will give peace there. We are his temple. We are his holy priesthood. First Peter chapter 2. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So this is a lot about, it's all about Jesus, and it's also about the people who are part of his body. Daniel. How many folks like the book of Daniel? I, it's good stuff, isn't it? Ad, adventure, heroism, dreams, intrigue, the good guys escaping certain death. Yeah. And it, you can also read it as um, showing us what it can look like to be God's anointed in stressful times. So I encourage you to read it again and, and read it asking the Holy Spirit, what would you like me to take in about how I can live as your anointed in, in challenging times? It's about the conflicts between human kingdoms and human leaders throughout history and God's plan to give an everlasting kingdom to the Son of Man and through him to the saints. Saints meaning the holy ones, the ones that have been set apart, the ones who are, have dedicated themselves to him. And it also reveals our need for wisdom and love as well as God's supernatural protection. Daniel was known as a wise guy. part of Nebuchadnezzar's uh, wise men, wasn't he? In fact, in fact, there was no one else in the, in the kingdom like him, unlike the other uh, 
men, yellow Hebrew young men. And, and Daniel sought after this, and he prized this. And he was courageous, but uh, he, he, also, he also sought wisdom. So when he heard that uh, in the early part of the book that Nebuchadnezzar was just going to wipe out all of the uh, magicians because they couldn't guess what his dream was, rather than just saying, oh, well, I'll just go to heaven, Daniel said, wait, 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 wait. I'll, I'm going to pray, and God's going to give me what the dream is. And he, and, he, and he prayed, he worshiped, and he prayed for wisdom. What I want to show you right now is from Daniel chapter 7 about this whole thing of, um, of foretelling what happened in, in uh, Jesus being to earth. The kingdom given to the Son of Man Remember that was one of Jesus' favorite ways of describing himself? Yeah. That, I believe a lot of it is because he was hearkening back to, to Daniel. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that given to? Jesus, the, but the son, one looking like the son of man. Dominion and glory and a kingdom. And not just any kingdom. A kingdom that shall not pass away. Woo! <laughs> yeah. All, all these other kingdoms in the uh, book of Daniel talks about, the ones that were and the ones that were going to be, they all came to an end, didn't they? This is the one kingdom that shall never pass away that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you have welcomed us into your kingdom. Thank you that you want us to help administer and reign in That's cool enough. And so Je Jesus was talking about that kingdom. In Luke 12, he said, But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I believe, Brent, you, you had this, you read this last week as well. Yeah. He has given Father's, your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide for yourselves money bags, which do not grow old, a treasure in heaven that does not fail. So does it sound to you like Jesus is saying, this kingdom is really, really important to you? Yes, he is, isn't he? He's saying nothing else matters as much as, as, as you bounce back to Daniel chapter 7 <coughs> because we already because Daniel uh, foresaw this that the kingdom is going to be given to the saints I was watching and the same horn 
was making war against the saints. Horn meaning uh, a, a powerful person. It was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the ancient of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, I will give you the king, keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you release on earth will have been released in heaven. So Jesus is saying, I'm giving you, I'm, I'm, I will give you the keys. Oh, this is good news. Really good news. Really exciting news. Really exciting news. Here's the thing that a lot of us find kind of a paradox or perplexing. Um, because it, it's pretty clear that things still aren't working on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> Some places there is, just, but not every place, right? Uh, and the paradox is the kingdom is now. We're already, we already have received the keys. We already ha have been given authority. Jesus said, all authority I've been given and I give it to you. But the fullness of the kingdom is still coming, isn't it? We're not seeing the fullness yet. And sometimes that feels confusing, doesn't it? It's sometimes to us. It is our privilege as, as saints to be walking outposts of God's unshakable kingdom in this world. Even though the world is still mostly under spiritual darkness. We are, we are um, revealing his heart and his love and his kingdom that people have a chance to see and be part of it. He's, cha he's changed us. We're now daddy's kids, and he wants everyone to have that opportunity. And someday, the enemy's going to be completely taken out of the picture, right? Yeah. But in the meantime, we actually ha have this great privilege of living courageously in, in the, the now kingdom that is not yet fully his. <laughs> We've received the Holy Spirit and the keys of authority from Jesus. So what does it look like in the meantime? But the people who know their God, this is Daniel chapter 11, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he, meaning kind of the, basically the Antichrist, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong carry out great exploits. Yeah. Yeah. So so in this time where the kingdom is now but it's not in its fullness, we all have this chance to do great exploits because we know our God. And down in, chapter, in Daniel chapter 11, many of those who sleep in the dusty ground will awake, some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting abhorrence. But the wise, there's, there's wisdom again, but the wise will shine like the brightness of, a, of the heavenly expanse. And those bringing many to righteousness will be like the stars forever and ever. I'm going to read that again. That was so good. But the wise will shine like the brightness of the heavenly expanse. And 
those bringing many to righteousness will be like the stars forever and ever. Yeah, so this time is a chance for us to, to do great exploits and to shine like the stars. How do we do that? Let me share a scripture about that. Grace has been given to each one of us. This is from, from Ephesians 4, uh, 7 through 13. But to each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So this Jesus went low and went high so that he could fill all things and that he, he, would, he delivered us from captivity. And now he's seated at the right hand of the, of the, of the power of heaven, Father God heard some of this before, but we're going to get to a part that this really struck me uh, uh, right after the part that's familiar. And he himself, who's he himself? Jesus gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And this is the part I want you to pay close attention to. Shall we all come to the unity of of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Let's, let's stop with that part there. So there's so many ofs and buzz, I, I've gotten confused about that a lot. But what, what this is saying is, whose unity is it? I mean, whose, whose faith in you, I should say, whose faith and whose knowledge is it? It's the Son of God's. So he's giving us grace, he's building us up so that we can be in unity with Jesus' faith. Jesus' knowledge. Now, how much faith does Jesus have? <laughs> and by faith, I mean um, something that's trustworthy, something that's steadfast, something that's steady. He's, he, he already knows the, end, the beginning from the end, doesn't he? Does, does he... Is he, is he worried about how things are going to turn out? No. So he, he has all the faith that we need. Doesn't he? And, oh, by, and by the way, he also has knowledge. The no, his knowledge, he knows stuff, doesn't he? <laughs> so where we're heading is, is through the graces, through the gifts that Jesus is giving us, we're heading towards coming into this unity with the faith and the knowledge that Jesus has. That's a really great thing, isn't it? So in that faith and in that knowledge, is there going to be courage too? Yeah, because he's not worried, is he? He knows how things are going to turn out. To a perfect man, meaning to a, to a, to a man who has... Um, is completed, is like lacking in nothing, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
So, so it's not that we have to somehow work up the courage ourselves. It's through being in unity with Jesus that we get what we need, including the courage to be to be to be kings and queens, to be priests unto Him, to be outposts of the kingdom wherever we are. Good news. <clears throat> now I have some more uh, clips I want to show you. Some more, and these these are from um, this is about a guy named Andrew White. leader of an Anglican, was probably the Anglican church in Baghdad. And uh, the reason why I want to show these to you is I was asking God, okay, what would it look like to be to be an outpost of your kingdom, to be shepherding the fields, to be bringing stability to a place where there's a lot of shaking? Has Baghdad had a lot of shaking? You think? <laughs> so I hope hope you're encouraged by this. Some of it's pretty heavy duty, but I, what I want you to take away from it is God is faithful in this situation, as, as challenging and difficult and um, sometimes devastating as it is. So I want you, what I want you to do is take courage from this in seeing who Jesus is to this man, Andrew White. Okay? <clears throat> These are excerpted from uh, two talks he gave at Bethel Church in Reading on March 20th. At least the Vicar of Baghdad, I think, is actually, you can you can watch it for free if you just do the free subscription. So are you ready to get, get some nuggets from Andrew White? Now, this, these are two much longer talks, so this is going to be a little choppy, but I hope you, hope you get encouraged by these. And you may have a little bit of difficulty understanding him. He was, he was struck with, with um, multiple sclerosis uh, 12 years ago, but there's been some good news there, too. Cool. The Holy Spirit knows what to do. Fatwa. You guys, that's a that's a, uh, a an Islamic 
religious edict, right? It's, a, it's an edict. It's saying you must follow this, this, this the ruling we're making, kind of a judicial Islamic ruling, like stop killing Christians is what that one was basically. So he's going to talk a little bit about the importance of um, listening and acting right away as well, which isn't actually about what he just shared, but it's another story that I, I cut out just because I didn't want to go too long today. So here's the next clip about listening and, and acting. God taught me something that day. God tells you to do something, do it. And do it now. Not in months' time. I really get annoyed with all these Christians I've been quoting on the wall. I'm waiting for God to tell me. I give myself two minutes to hear what God is saying. If they don't hear in two minutes, they don't come to work with me to start. And my is that God always talks. When you need him, and I must need him a lot, God talks quickly. And we have seen God answer prayer. We pray for the sick in our church. Our church is very hierarchy. It's kind of a mixture of Orthodox and Syriani and the Syrian and in Aramaic as well as Arabic, but it's very alive. Apart from church, I have a very big clinic that you see over 100 patients every day. We have a dentist, a doctor, a pharmacy, a laboratory, and most of our patients are Muslims. One of the patients came in just a week Thursday, not last Thursday, I was here, but the Thursday before, and he said, uh, he went to the clinic, he said, my daughter is so ill, I don't know how we can make her better. So the doctor said, well, you need to go and see the priest. So she ca he came and saw me, and I talked to him, I listened to him, I prayed for him, I said, your daughter is going to be all right. He went from the church to the hospital where his daughter was a patient, and <clears throat> he prayed Jesus all the way, Jesus, kill my daughter. And he arrived at the hospital, and the doctor said, I'm very sorry, your daughter has been crying. And he cried and cried, and he went to her, and he pulled back the sheet off her, she sat up crying. And, and she said, Daddy, I'm hungry. Will you give me some food? So when he came back to tell me, I said, don't worry, that's happened before. <laughs> it's not the 
sometimes they got better and sometimes they didn't. <laughs> well, mainly they didn't. <laughs> In Baghdad, we pray for the sick and they always get better. Not sometimes, always. And I have with me here Colonel John Brooks. That's pretty cool, huh? So, so he's in the field that God called him to. And and God is 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 taking care of him, even even in the midst of tremendous shaking. Here's here's some more encouragement. started coming. So if you ever need any extra work done, just let me know and I'll get some of my friends down. And then the money will start pouring in. Once again, it's just an example of God providing what we needed. And he always does. And so we have to be radical in our faith radical in our practice. We must practice the supernatural all the time. Now, I don't... Practice the supernatural. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Um, that, that explosion was in... I believe it was October of 2009. And 144 people were killed. It uh, wrecked a lot of things. And uh, but and I want you to know that he's just not he's not just joking. He shares uh, other parts of the story where, when three people were killed, he was in his bedroom weeping, and a 
little boy came and said, Pastor, why are you why are you crying? And he said, Why shouldn't I? And the little boy said, Well, the they know Aramaic, so they already know how to talk to Jesus when we get to heaven. <laughs> they know Jesus' language. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it's, it's very, 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 very sharp, but, but he's also full of joy, isn't he? Okay. Back to Katie. And that is what God is like. Expect big. He wants to do huge things. I might be in the most dangerous place in the world, but I love being there. If God has placed you somewhere, he will enable you to do what he needs you to do. He will give you the joy of being there. He doesn't make you all miserable. I've had enough of miserable people. And the wonderful thing about this place, I've seen no miserable people. I came over here just Wednesday. I've been praying for several years that I'd be able to meet Pastor Bill. And somehow that I think your wife knows how more than I do. But things are usually to do with our wives. And yesterday was an amazing day. It was the one day where I was not speaking. And I went to the healing rooms in the morning because I had multiple sclerosis, or I had it. yesterday, I run down the corridor. I run for the first time in 12 years.
and how he equips us to do what he has called us to do. And if you want to know how, read the book of Daniel 5. I was so encouraged. I'm sorry I'm making strange sounds now. Ah, it went way down. Okay, how's that? Is that better? Thank you. <coughs> Technical difficulties. So, where God calls us, he equips us. Would you like to hear some more encouragement about that? All right. Oh, first about being anointed. I'll talk about that. Uh, Earlier in the talk, which I'm not um, going to show in the video, Andrew shares insights about being anointed from the life of Daniel. He mentions that worshiping God is key. That's what Daniel did, didn't he? He was a worshiper. And that's one of the wonderful strengths of this body is worshiping. Daniel worshiped, and God gave him a dream that answered the dream's demand. Also, another key is the desiring God's wisdom for our situation, valuing wisdom. And also choosing love especially to those who seem unlovely to us. For example, could Nebuchadnezzar seem a little unlovely to Daniel? <laughs> you know, the guy that dragged him away from his homeland, away from his folks, and um, uh, was uh, you know, basically taking over other kingdoms left and right. But yet, what, how did Daniel treat Nebuchadnezzar? With honor, and really I would say with love. How do you do that? How do you do that? By being in Jesus, huh? <laughs> being in God, worshiping and being a lover of God. Otherwise, I think it's pretty much humanly impossible. So a little more from Andrew. And God gave the wisdom and the knowledge to Daniel, the one who sought wisdom of God. He sought to be wise, and God lifted him up even higher. You see, the really important thing is, first of all, we have to be where God has called us to be. But secondly, we see that God always equips us. Where he calls us, he will enable us. Where he called Daniel, he enabled Daniel. Where he has called us, he will enable us. And he will speak to us. And he will speak the mighty words of God in ways that we may have not thought possible. God
so God equips us for where he calls us. And if you don't go where he is telling you to go, he'll find a way of getting you there. He's very good at doing that. Does any particular Old Testament guy come to mind? Jonah. Jonah. Did you know that the, the town that was Nineveh is in Iraq? So the, the story with Jonah is he doesn't want to see God bless an unlovely people, does he, the Assyrians. Doesn't want, so he runs the other way because he says, I know if you send me there, you're going to help those people. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> but God had a way of negotiating with Jonah. <laughs> And Jonah caught on, didn't he? He said, okay, I'll do it your way. He repented, and in response to his preaching, the whole city, including the king, repent and humble themselves before Yahweh. Okay. But that's not the whole story. There's another part of, um, of, what, of uh, Andrew's talk. He shares that 700 years later, Thomas the Apostle stops by on his way to India and shares the gospel of Jesus with that, with the rest of that city. And many joined their life to Jesus. And from that time to present, Nineveh, which is now called Nineveh, is a Christian town. And that's the rest of the story. Pretty cool. So a lot of the Christians even that come to Baghdad were originally from Nineveh. Coming up next. I don't want to talk about that. Um, story of Jonah. I, I see I just got ahead of myself. God sees a bigger picture, doesn't he? And, and sometimes even if we resist him, he loves us so much, he's going to get us back on track. scary situations. You ready? Make people afraid. You know, like guns being put in your face, bombs blowing up your place, and being kidnapped, and being thrown in a room with chopped off fingers and toes all around the floor. And you've got a choice. Either you trust in God or you're scared. It's a lot easier to trust in God. <laughs> it's a lot better knowing the Lord is with you. It's a lot easier knowing He will provide for you. So He actually lives through those things. 
he's speaking from personal experience. So I, just, I want to receive that, and I trust all of you to receive that truth, that it's easier to trust in God in serious situations. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, it's, it's not about preparing people just for church. It's about preparing people for the world that we live in. And we need you to be the top of what God has called you to. We are not all to be great leaders, but some of you are. God has anointed you for that and he will equip you to do that. You will ask of him and he will give to you and he will elevate you to a higher place and you will say to yourself, how is it that I'm doing this? And you'll realize it's because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a very complicated time in Iraq. I said in some of my previous meetings that over 100 people of mine have been killed in the past three months. So many of them have run away. The church has been filled up with so many Muslims. Why? Because we love them. And we provide their needs. What are their needs? Their needs are health care, education, food, and somewhere to live. And we help with all of those four things. It's very strange that we should give like that, but God calls us all to give, give, and give. And God calls us to give of ourselves. Good word right there. Okay, why is he called to do that? I've heard it here before. It's because he's such a He's such a generous giver. He, he invites us to be like, like him, like our Papa. Well, let's do it. You want to respond to God and say, yes. <laughs> yes. Jesus is equipping all of us to reign in times of shaking. It is his plan for you to live united with him, having his faith and his knowledge. What we read earlier from Ephesians 4.13. And perhaps it's time for you to ask him about the fields 
fields that he created you to shepherd in this coming season. That we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. He, he planned cool stuff, powerful stuff, significant stuff for each one of us. And I'd like to steal something from, uh, from Graham Cook as well. He talked about uh, practicing returning to peace. He said, very rarely does it take him more than 10 seconds to, to return to a sense of shalom, even when we've, when we've uh, you know, gone into uh, you know, other strong feelings, anxiety or other things. And um, is there a scripture about that? Philippians 4, 6, be anxious about nothing. That's right. In all things with prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. And the what? The peace of God that transcends understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Yeah. So I believe that that's also something it would be good to practice before we really, really need it. Although a lot of us really, really need it already, don't we? So I just, I just want you to start practicing, saying, okay, when I get anxious, I'm going to just turn my heart to God and say, you're going to take care of me. Here's what I'm needing now, and I just need your peace. Because he is going to take care of us. He, he is a good daddy. And I am so sorry about this thing. I've never had this much trouble before. So, and here's a good song to sing to your Abba. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom to know just what. song. But the wise will shine like the brightness of the heavenly expanse, and those bringing many to righteousness will be like the stars forever and ever. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Thank you, Father God, for creating us for um, for greatness, for for bringing your kingdom, for being outposts of your kingdom, for bringing stability when things aren't working, when things are shaking, for bringing your solutions, your answers, your shalom, your glory. And thank you, even though we that we aren't up to it ourselves. You are living inside of us. And you are well able. Amen. I'd like Susan to come up. Maybe we could give her a mic so she doesn't have to deal with this. interesting because
because Russ had asked me to sort of um, you know, to pray and uh, to kind of do a little bit of a interactive time with you guys to help you uh, understand and help God, have God maybe reveal a little more to you about exactly what you feel. But he'll show you what you're ready to but it's interesting because he gave me exactly that scripture this morning and we did not compare notes. So that would be God. Because, I don't know, a week or so ago, I was seeing a picture of looking up, you know, a night sky. How many have been up in the, the desert or the mountains? You look up in the sky and you see the stars. You see the Milky Way. How many? Isn't it amazing? You can actually see, if you're out in a dark enough place, the Milky Way and just masses of stars. And what God said to me, but when I look from heaven to earth, I see the universe on earth. I see each of you as a star in the darkness. Now, I don't know a whole lot about astronomy, but I believe it's true that every single star is different, right? Different colors, different density, different mass, different size, different age. I don't know all that astronomy stuff. I don't know much about it. Different elements. Oh, so each of you, when God looks down upon you from heaven, you are a star shining in a dark place. See, we're aware of the darkness around us, but God's like, I'm looking at the light. I'm looking at how you illuminate the place I've put you in. Because it's what you were born to do light of the world resides within you, each and every one of you. And he has a unique way of radiating out to each one of you. Now I want you just to kind of close your eyes here for a minute. And let's let God show us what he wants to show us. So he's going to have something for each and every one of us. Because each and every one of us is just like that star. We can't compare one star to another. We each have their own beauty. We each have their own light. We each have their own colors. You can't compare them. They're all amazing. They're all beautiful. Your heaven is not capable of comparing one to the other. Comparison does not exist in the kingdom of heaven. He delights in each one of you uniquely. And this territory he has for you, this part of your kingdom of heaven looks so unique. And he was showing me a picture that, um, that for each of us, that territory that is ours, um, it's like it's, it's kind of written in our DNA, in our spiritual DNA, to do what we are called to do. Yes, it will be a place it will be a thing. You know, some of you will be artists. Some of you will be educators. But it's also something that's inscribed within you. And just in the same way we can look at the Einsteins of the world and the Abraham Lincolns of the world and the Rembrandts in the world, and we see, we appreciate how unique each one of them are when we look back at them. When God looks upon each one of you, he sees how unique each one of you are. And I was seeing it, it was like your, your territory, this sphere of influence, 
he has for you is something like a mountain. Now, not like the seven mountains, not like, you know, this education or this or that, but I, I mean it's more like a landscape for each and every one of you, a unique landscape. And he has a path on that landscape for you. And some of us have already started on that. You kind of have an idea. I doubt any of us have gotten to the top of where he's called us to. But we're going to ever keep going deeper and higher and deeper and higher into this place he's called us into. And our perspective is going to keep on getting wider and broader the closer we get to the pinnacle of where he's taking us. It's going to start seeing more and more and more. It's going to start getting defined more you to, um, we'll just ask Jesus a few questions right now to see what he wants to show us about what he's calling you to. Jesus, is there something about this place you've called me to? something about this? Is there a name or a quality about what you're calling me into that I've never known before? Is there anything holding me back? Is there anything I need to push through right now? Now, I think one of the main things that holds us back is we think that we're going to be on our own. We think we're going to be left high misunderstanding of thinking that um, because that's what happened in the past maybe in your life the truth is this if you stay on the path he has for you he is going to be with you every single step of the way so why don't we ask him Jesus where are you on that path he has set for you Is there something you want to equip me with right now that I need to learn to trust you more?
I just bless each and every one of you tonight with the light with which God has, who he looks upon you and the plans he has for you. He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for hope and plans for a future. And it is a very, very good, incomparable future that I have for you. You wouldn't want to trade it with anybody else. It's just for you. Very good. thought up 